0: The podcast directory you're using right now should have a link to my Buy Me A Coffee page in the show notes, or you can type it into your browser. That's buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. All contributions are gratefully appreciated. Hello and welcome to Bedtime Stories with me, R.A. Spratt. Okay, well, it's a beautiful Sunday afternoon here in the Southern Highlands. I can hear in the far distance the sound of whirring chainsaws. <laughs> We've had big storms here this week and uh, in uh, the gardens in town, which if you've listened to all the Pesky Kids stories in the Pesky Kids, it's referred to as the Daffodil Gardens. But here in Barrel, the real gardens it's based on is called Corbett Gardens. And last night, a massive tree fell over in Corbett Gardens and uh, – when I got up, I I ring bells at a church in town on Sunday morning. So I got up and uh, took the dog up there to go up to the church. And it's just like a whole street was blocked off by this massive fallen over tree. And so um, it's Sunday, which is a really busy day in the Highlands because we get lots of day trip tourists up from the city. Uh, So they're desperately trying to clear it. Uh, And there's all these council workers out there with chainsaws. And even though I live like 800 metres away, you know, half a mile away, I can hear the chainsaws from my house. but it's quite a pleasant sound. And, and don't worry, there are still lots of trees and the council will replace the tree and everything. So it's all going to be okay. But it is always sad to see a tree fall over. Okay, so <laughs> that's what's going on here in, in, in the Highlands. Uh, so I've had a bit of a hectic week. Uh, lots going on, like lots of family stuff, lots of work stuff. And uh, it's it's tax time. Like Once every three months I have to uh, report my tax. And um, so that's a, a lot of paperwork to do this week. So I was, I was like rushed and I thought, oh my goodness, how am I going to have time to write this week's episode of the podcast? Because I really wanted to do King Lear for this week and I didn't want to do it and uh, not do it properly. I didn't want to rush it. And I was like, oh, maybe I should do something else, something simpler. And then last night, it just occurred to me, I've got a book coming out in just over a week. Uh, I should be reading you chapters from my books uh, because the new Friday Barnes book is coming out. I think it's like on the 27th or 28th of February. So I thought, well, so next week on the podcast, I will read to you a chapter from that book uh, so you can uh, get a, a flavor of what it's all about. Uh So in the lead up to that, I thought what I should do this week is read you a chapter from the last Friday Barnes book, so get you back up to speed on what was happening there. So that was a bit of a brainwave and it saved me about... um Six hours of work having to write a new story. So I thought that's great. So that, that means, um, cause next weekend is the big book launch. So I've, I've got to do all these preparations for that. So this week we'll, we'll do uh, a chapter from one of my books that'll buy me a little bit of time so that I can focus on all the stuff for the book launch, which did make me think I need to plan some sort of online event for people who can't come to the physical book launch. So I was talking to my daughter about it and thinking, Oh, what should I do? Because I was thinking of doing something uh, like a live stream on Instagram, but then I remembered like kids aren't really supposed to be on social media and I shouldn't be encouraging you to be on social media. So I thought what I might do instead is I might say that you can ask me some questions. Like if you send me, email me a question. Um, I think it's raspratt at nannypiggins.com is my email address. So that's raspratt at nannypiggins.com. If you send me an email there and ask me a question about Friday Barnes or, you know, anything to do with the podcast or the books, what I'll do is uh, to celebrate... Both, you know, the the new Friday Barnes book coming out and also it's, it's going to be the fourth anniversary of the podcast. So I thought I'd do an episode where instead of reading a story, I'll just answer a bunch of your questions, which by the way, I will probably answer in story form. So you'll still get lots of stories. So in the next couple of weeks, if you have a question for me and you would like to send it to my email address. R.A. Spratt at nannypiggins.com in so not this episode, not next episode, but the week episode after that to celebrate the, uh, the, the, the fourth anniversary of the podcast and the 10th anniversary of Friday Barnes and the 12th book coming out. I will do a special episode of the podcast where I answer all your questions and I will video myself doing that and I will put the video on on YouTube. So you can look at the video of me answering all your questions, or you can just listen to the podcast episode. I thought that's the best solution so that you can all listen to it. And then I can put a link on my website as well. So, so you can listen to it and watch it that way. Okay. So having said all that, we've rambled for too long. Let's just get into today's story. So as I said, I'm going to read to you today a chapter from Friday Barnes 11, Last Chance, which I like to think of as, as the, the orangey brown one that's set in Paris. It's the one set in Paris when they're all at the Louvre. So today I'm going to read to you chapter six, which is called Fitting In. And it's all about Friday and Melanie. They, they're going undercover as, uh, Art students, and uh, they are they're arriving at their accommodation. So that's what <laughs> that's what I'm going to read to you now. Okay. And by the way, Ian is already there, but they haven't met him yet. But they know he's already undercover at the art institute. They just haven't bumped into him yet. Okay. So here we go. Chapter six. The art institute de Louvre was not as glamorous as the name suggested. True, it was just a 100 metres from the famous and beautiful art gallery, but that 100 metres held an entire city block of other buildings. It may as well have been 100 kilometres. In Paris, the aura of glamour doesn't extend far. Breathtakingly beautiful architecture is cheek by jowl with poorly maintained, graffiti-coloured tenements that for some reason always smell like a public toilet. Agent OKK dropped them off just outside a building. Are you sure this is the right place, asked Friday, looking up at the narrow five-story building cramped between a souvenir store and a tobacconist. I thought you were the great detective prodigy, said Agent OKK. Can't you detect the plaque on the door? Behind a tangle of abandoned electric share scooters, there was a very dirty plaque on the door that was probably brass, but some sort of filth was spattered across it. It read, Art Institute de Louvre, Student Accommodation. "'I saw the sign,' said Friday. "'I just thought it might be wrong.' "'You aren't coming in with us?' asked Melanie. "'Of course not,' said Agent Okeke. "'It would compromise your cover.' "'I guess we'll see you at the Louvre then,' said Friday. "'Whatever,' said Agent Okeke. "'I'm your handler, not your mother.' She threw the car into gear and sped away. Friday watched the car take the corner too quickly, nearly killing a tourist on an e-scooter. "'She's actually warmer and chattier than my mother,' Friday observed." The inside of the Art Institute building was only moderately less disappointing than the outside. The lobby was a narrow room, half of which was taken up by a staircase leading up to the dormitories above. The marble floor was superficially clean, but everything else was old and worn. The white walls were not as white as they would have been two decades ago when they were last painted. Tucked in, underneath the staircase, was a small porter's office. The woman who worked there didn't look like she'd walked up the staircase in her life. She was staring at a video on her computer on her desk. She barely acknowledged Friday and Melanie when they introduced themselves. She just pointed to the staircase above her head and said, "'Fifth floor!' Friday looked at Melanie's enormous suitcase. "'If we grab an end each and take lots of rest breaks, I think we can make it.' "'This almost makes me regret packing so many shoes,' said Melanie. Ten minutes later, after a great deal of trudging and heavy breathing, Friday and Melanie finally dragged the suitcase up onto the landing of the fifth floor. There was only one door. They tried knocking, but no one responded. They could hear voices from within. Come on, just open the door! Someone was yelling, but it was muffled, as if it was being yelled from the far end of the apartment. Do they mean us? Asked Melanie, indicating the door she and Friday were standing in front of. Friday shrugged. She tried the door handle. It was unlocked, so they both entered. They passed through a short passageway with a coat rack and backpacks dumped on the floor and found themselves in a large open-plan room with a lounge area on one side and a kitchen on the other. Two teenage boys were sitting on the enormous L-shaped sofa. One was studiously drawing on a sketch pad. The other seemed to be napping. "'Hi,' said Friday. "'Are we in the right place?' The napping boy opened his eyes. Friday noted that they were dark brown and very nice to look at. Although the dark rings under his eyes indicated that he was tired. Have you just come off a double shift making pizza? she asked. What? said the boy. He was startled. Do I know you? Not yet, said Friday, but I can deduce many things about you. You're wearing a polo shirt that says Giuseppe's Pizza, the best pizza in Paris, which could be merchandise, but it is bright red. That's not a color a fashion-conscious team would choose to wear voluntarily, so I assume you work there. The boy looked down at his shirt and frowned and the shirt is faded, continued Friday. It's been washed repeatedly, which suggests that you are an experienced employee. The boy smiled proudly at this. The type of employee a boss would ask to stay on when someone doesn't turn up for the morning shift, said Friday. Of course, you could be a delivery person, but the flour stains on your shirt suggest that you're actually involved in preparing the pizza. The boy hastily tried to brush the flour off his shirt. And your highly developed carpi radialis muscles, said Friday, pointing to his forearms, are consistent with someone who spends a lot of time kneading dough, which I know, from when my parents forgot to do the grocery shopping, is surprisingly hard work. That's amazing, said the boy. That's exactly what I do. I take the dough and shape it into pizza bases. Giuseppe is my uncle. He gets me to stand in the window while I work. The tourists like watching me throw the pizza bases around. My name's Roberto. Hi, Roberto, said Melanie. "'Now do, Adam!' Roberto urged Friday, pointing to the serious boy sitting next to him. "'Tell us what you can figure out about him.' "'Deductive reasoning is not a party trick,' said Friday. "'It kind of is,' said Melanie. She plopped down on the couch next to Roberto, waiting for Friday to perform. Friday turned to inspect Adam. He glanced up and noticed that the other three were staring at him. "'What's going on?' asked Adam. "'Just go back to your drawing,' said Roberto. "'This girl's going to figure out everything about you just from looking at your clothes.' Adam looked alarmed by this prospect." Gray sweater, button-down collar, jeans and wire-framed glasses,'' listed Friday. ''The most distinctive thing about your clothes is that they're ironed. Young people don't iron, especially not young art students. You dress like a law student, although they don't iron either.'' ''I get my clothes ironed for me,'' said Melanie. ''Yes, but if an art student was as rich as you and had a maid who ironed their clothes,'' said Friday, ''they would then purposely crumple their clothes so they'd fit in.'' This level of fastidiousness in someone so young speaks of a deep-seated psychological need to bring order and control to their life. And the only people who seek order that much are people who have never had it. If you really wanted order in your life, you wouldn't be an art student unless you were so talented it was inescapable. You should mind your own business, said Adam. Hostility, said Friday. Perhaps that indicates parental issues. Or perhaps you simply love art. You're in a flow with your drawing and I'm irritating you. She's got your bang on, said Roberto. Adam just glowered. Are you with the police? Roberto asked Friday. Melanie had just taken a sip from her water bottle. Roberto's uncannily accurate guess made her inhale the water, which caused a coughing fit. No, said Friday. She was startled to have her cover seen through almost immediately. I'm an art student. I'm good at observing things because I look at things all the time for reasons of art. Nothing to do with crime. Okay, said Roberto. I'm Melanie, said Melanie. Sorry about Friday. She has very poor social skills. I think she was dropped on her head as a baby. She was, asked Adam. This made him look up from his drawing, perhaps to see if Friday had a misshapen head. No, I'm joking, said Melanie. Hey, parents. Yeah, you. Are you looking for a podcast your kids will really love? Well, we made one just for you. And for us. As genuine, all-natural kids ourselves, we know what makes a fun and interesting podcast. So we decided to make it ourselves. Every show is packed with interviews, stories, and on-the-ground reporting. We have interviewed everyone from scientists to Grammy Award-winning musicians to NFL quarterbacks. Listen to Wild Interest wherever you get your podcasts. Although it is possible, said Friday... If you dropped an infant so that the prefrontal cortex of their brain was permanently injured, that could affect their lifelong ability to socially interact. Friday, this is an example of you not knowing how to interact appropriately, said Melanie kindly. Too much detail about dropping infants the first time you meet someone is bad. Friday nodded. Noted. I should have been able to deduce that. I will endeavour to remember. Adam isn't great with social skills either, said Roberto, but he won the Prix de la Joanne Pianche Belge last year, and he's a big deal. It's the most prestigious youth art prize in Europe. Could you stop telling people that, said Adam? Roberto rolled his eyes. They can figure it out for themselves just by Googling you. It's rude to act like you aren't who you are just to maintain a secret identity. Whatever, said Adam. "'He's just grumpy because the wi is terrible here "'and he can't FaceTime his girlfriend,' said Roberto. "'I am not,' said Adam. "'I don't have a girlfriend.' Roberto had already closed his eyes. "'Sorry, I mean your mother,' he said. "'I know you can't bear to go a day without hearing her voice.' Adam picked up a pillow and smashed it into Roberto's face. Roberto just laughed. "'You can't stay in there forever!' A woman yelled from another room. Friday turned to the sound. On the far side of the common room, there was a doorway leading to the bedrooms.' Go no away! called another younger voice. What's going on? Friday asked the boys. Oh, the new girl locked herself in, said Adam, without looking up from his sketch pad. Really? That sounds very extreme, said Melanie. Do tell. Roberto opened his eyes again. She was really unhappy with her dad when he dropped her off. He's not going to be winning Father of the Year anytime soon, that's for sure, muttered Adam. What did he do? asked Friday perched on the edge of the coffee table. She was reluctant to sit on the sofa. It looked like it'd be hard to get back out of it once he were down. She thought she was coming to Paris to stay with him for the winter holiday, said Roberta, but he enrolled her here without telling her. They came straight from the airport. She thought she was going to be staying at his house. He did say he had a lot of work, said Adam, and that she'd enjoy it more here with people her own age. Yeah, but that's not the point, is it, said Melanie. It's the rejection that stings. Friday had had many similar experiences with her own parents. I know I'm not great at social skills, said Friday, but wouldn't it be best just to leave her alone, let her have some quiet time in her room? Oh, she hasn't locked herself in her room, said Roberto. She's locked herself in the bathroom. And there's only one bathroom, added Adam. We all share it. Five people and only one bathroom, asked Melanie. Melanie came from an incredibly wealthy family, and they'd gone to a very prestigious school. Both places had high bathroom-to-people ratios. Six people in one bathroom, said Roberto. The residential tutor shares our apartment too. Friday, you've got to do something to get her out of there, said Melanie. I drank three bottles of water on the flight to keep my skin hydrated. My bladder can only hold it for so long. Friday stood up wearily. What are you going to do, asked Adam. Negotiate the bathroom's release. Oh no, said Melanie. Friday's terrible at persuading people, but she's good at picking locks. Cool, said Roberto. I need a shower. Making pizza is a sweaty business. We know," said Adam. "We can smell you. You don't get the sweat in the actual pizza, do you?" asked Melanie. "Of course," said Roberto with a wink. "That's the secret ingredient that makes Giuseppe's pizza the best in Paris." "Gross," said Adam. "You better do something." Friday urged Melanie. "I'll see what I can do," said Friday. Okay, Chapter Seven. Their new roommate. When Friday stepped into the corridor, she found that there were four rooms leading off to one side. A pretty blonde woman in her early 20s was leaning against the door of the first room. Hi, said Friday. Can I help? Oh, hello, said the woman. She looked a little embarrassed. You must be Friday or Melanie. Friday, said Friday. I'm Kate, she said. I'm your residential tutor. It's my job to make sure you don't starve, don't stay up past your curfew, and get to your lessons without getting lost. As Friday came nearer, she could hear sobbing on the other side of the door. "'Sorry about this,' said Kate. "'I'm supposed to be welcoming you and showing you the ropes, "'but this has been a bit of a hiccup. "'Sophia isn't too happy to be here.' "'Just go away!' called the muffled voice from inside. "'Your roommates are here!' Kate yelled through the door. She was trying to sound cheerful. "'Don't you want to come out and meet them?' "'No!' called Sophia. "'Tell them to go away!' Melanie had come over to see what was happening. We quite like to use the bathroom, Melanie called through the door. I don't care, wailed Sophia. Have you tried ringing her father, Friday whispered to Kate, trying to speak at a volume that Sophia couldn't hear through the door. I did, Kate whispered in reply. He's turned off his phone. I guess that's one way to delegate childcare, said Friday. "'It's not uncommon to have new kids cry and be upset because they're homesick,' said Kate. "'But we've never had anyone lock themselves in before. I wasn't trained on how to deal with this.' "'You don't have a master key?' asked Friday. "'No,' said Kate. "'The porter is supposed to have one, but she lost it.' "'How did she lose it?' asked Friday. "'I didn't like to ask follow-up questions,' said Kate. "'The porter scares me. She refuses to speak anything but French.' and even when you speak French to her, she acts like you're so horrible at it that she can't understand you. Come on, Friday, said Melanie. This can't be too hard for you. You break into rooms all the time. If you could get the door open, that would be wonderful, said Kate. I tried calling a locksmith, but when he realised he'd have to carry all his equipment up five flights of stairs, he was going to charge me an extra 100 euros. Let's see, said Friday. She bent over to look at the lock, then closely inspected the entire door frame and finally wrapped her knuckles on the door. Well, it's a solid timber door set into a steel frame with a French-made Dom RS Sigma lock. And what does all that mean for those of us who aren't familiar with the European lock manufacturers? It depends on what you want to do, said Friday. There are lots of different ways you can break through a lock. You could try kicking the door in. That sounds awfully athletic, said Melanie. Yes, agreed, Friday. And I don't think it would work here. Usually when people kick doors in, they're actually kicking the door frame out, The timber of the doorframe is the weakest part of the lock, but in this instance, the doorframe is made of steel, so you'd break your ankle before you broke that. It would not be fun getting up and down those five flights of stairs with a broken ankle, said Melanie. Alternatively, I could pick the lock, said Friday, but this is a quality European commercial cylinder lock. It's got multiple anti-drill and anti-picking design elements. So it's unpickable, said Kate. No, I didn't say that, said Friday. No lock is unpickable. It's just that good ones take a while to do. My bladder would prefer not to wait, said Melanie. Also, I didn't bring my lock picking tools with me, said Friday. So before I began, I'd have to make lock picking tools, which are very specific. I'd need a suitable small flat screwdriver and a thin length of metal that I can bend to make a pin for turning the tumblers. Okay, said Kate, that's doable. We're all art students in this building. People here have all sorts of weird things for making sculptures and mixing paints. Yes, agreed Friday, but whenever you break in somewhere, you have to consider the risks. There is no risk, said Kate. It's the institute's door. They won't mind if it's damaged. No, but Sophia will, said Friday. We have to spend the next six weeks sharing a room with her. Bursting into a bathroom where she sought refuge would be a terrible way to start that relationship. Well done, Friday, said Melanie. That's uncharacteristically empathetic of you. Then what do you suggest, asked Kate? When you analyse the risks and rewards of all the possible ways in which we could get that door open, said Friday, the best strategy would be to find out if Roberto gets a staff discount. What, said Kate? Roberto works at a pizza shop, said Friday. According to his shirt, it's the best in Paris. Everyone likes pizza. It smells fantastic. Sophia has been in there for an hour. Before that, she was in a car. It's probably been hours since she's eaten. She's got to be hungry. I feel hungry, said Melanie, and that's just from hearing you talk about pizza. The walk up those stairs alone is enough to make anyone hungry, agreed Friday. And we're all teenagers, and teenagers are always hungry. There's a 12 millimeter gap at the bottom of the door where the air can get through. If we order six large pizzas, she'll be able to smell them. "'We could get a fan to waft the smell in,' said Melanie. "'We don't have a fan,' said Kate.' We don't need one, said Friday. We can use thermodynamics. It's five degrees centigrade outside, compared to 19 degrees in here. If we open that window, Friday pointed to the window at the end of the corridor, the warm air from the lounge will be drawn up and along the corridor, creating a circular convection pattern with the cold air from outside. The smell will waft past the bathroom door. That'll be the fastest way to get her out of the room, while causing the least damage to the property and allowing her to save face. It's worth a try, said Kate. Worst case scenario, we get to eat pizza, said Melanie. Oh, now I'm feeling hungry too, said Kate. Twenty minutes later, six extra large pizzas arrived, although Roberta did have to run down the stairs to get them because the delivery boy refused to bring them up. But it was worth it because they did smell fantastic. The garlic, tomato, oregano and cheese combined to create an odour that was nothing short of magical Friday, Melanie, Kate and the two boys all fell on them, eating with such enthusiasm that they totally forgot about Sophia. Two pizzas were gone before they realised that there were six of them sitting around the coffee table. Sophia had let herself out and was on to her third slice of margarita. Everyone pretended that they hadn't noticed. Friday and Melanie were finally able to use the bathroom, while Sophia ate a double helping of tiramisu that Roberta's uncle had thrown in as a complimentary dessert. "'Are you feeling better now?' asked Melanie." Sophia nodded. Sorry, she mumbled. It's just... She shrugged. She was clearly a bit embarrassed about the fuss now. I was expecting to spend the next six weeks with Daddy, but he says I'll be happier here because he's going to be busy with work. You probably will be happier here, Melanie pointed out. Sophia shrugged. I think he was more concerned that he would be happier with me here. This place isn't so bad, said Friday, and we get to go and sketch at the Louvre tomorrow. I suppose, said Sophia. To be honest... I was also a bit disappointed not to be downstairs in the fourth-floor dorm. Why? asked Adam. Sophia blushed a bit and smiled. There's a boy down there who is absolutely drop-dead gorgeous. Really? said Melanie. He smiled at me when I walked past with my suitcase, added Sophia. Sophia grinned at the memory. And then he said, Hi. Oh, a raconteur as well, said Friday sarcastically, as she took a big bite of a pepperoni slice. "'Oh, I know who you're talking about,' said Kate. "'He's only been here a week and he's caused so much trouble already. "'All the girls are in love with him.' "'What's his name?' asked Melanie. "'Ian,' said Kate. "'Friday choked on her pizza. "'Melanie had to whack her hard on the back five times "'before she could begin to recover herself.' All right, let's leave it there. If you want to know what happens in the rest of the story, you'll have to read the book. So that's Friday Barnes, Last Chance. Um, Yeah, so that's one of the early chapters in the book. I didn't want to read you anything from the late in the book because I didn't want to spoil it for you. You haven't read it already. Okay, so that's the 11th book and the 12th book is coming out next week or late next week. So I will be reading to you probably the first couple of chapters from that book on the podcast next week. And as I say, the following week, I'll do a Q&A. So if you want to email me a question, um, I'll answer as many as I can in about half an hour, 40 minutes on the podcast next week. And I'll post a video of that so you can see what I look like and uh, while I'm doing it. All right. That's it for now. And until next time, goodbye.